you're a guest, we want to let you know you're welcome this morning. Let's let them know we're glad that you're here. If you're watching online for the first time, we're glad you're here. If you haven't been here for a while, we're glad you're here. Amen. We're just glad you're here. Tell someone next to you, I'm glad you're here. Amen. What a powerful testimony. I want to tell every single one of you here today that God is working on a testimony for you. Do you believe that? You might be here this morning and you might be in some trouble. You might be dealing with some things. You might be going through some things. You might feel like I'll never be that person up there on the screen. But how many know God is working in your, t- in your behalf right now? And I believe today's the beginning of that testimony. He's going to make a, a way where there seems to be no way. Amen? That's why we're here. That's why we're at church. We can get a word that can change our life. Some of you might have been challenged to even get here today. Devil tried to keep you home, but he lost. And now that you're here, God's going to give you a word that's going to transform your life. Today could be the beginning of the rest of a new life. And I believe that's going to happen for some people in here this morning. How many, how many believe that with me? It's going to happen today. Amen? Today is the day. We're so blessed to have Pastor Bland and Robin, as Pastor Mario mentioned, with us all the way from Cortez, Colorado. You know, we have several uh, African families in our church, and uh, I always like to joke about this because a lot of uh, my, my basketball friends, you know, they say I'm, I'm African-American, and I think some of them have never even been to Africa and don't have any African roots. But Pastor Bland is African. He was born in Malawi, Africa. So he's really African, Amen. And so he is going to fit right in in our church. We've got Tony here, I see, from the Congo. We've got Peter from Zambia back there. And we've got an African pastor today, amen, that's going to preach the gospel to us. Pastor Paul is in Africa right now. And so it's part of our heart. And so he's got a great testimony, a great ministry. He's someone I look up to tremendously in my life. We've been friends for over 20 years now. He's a father figure to me. I call him walking wisdom. Amen. He's walking wisdom. And so I'm so thankful that he's going to come preach to us this morning. He's given us great words Friday, last night, discipleship yesterday. And this is a great word from this morning. I've already heard it, so I already know it's good. Amen. Uh, I'll never forget. Tell me know when you do something for somebody that, that's a blessing. The person who receives it never forgets. And I remember... Uh, Kristen said she was nine in the first service so 17 years ago we were back for a few few months from Costa Rica getting some rest and relaxation and uh, staying in Colorado Springs and we took a trip down through Arizona and Colorado and preached in some different churches and um, when you're a missionary you don't have money for extra things and every time we'd come back and preach it'd be to get tires on the car, buy clothes for the kids, different things like that. There was always needs, but there usually wasn't money left over for fun or enjoyment or vacation. And so that year, we just had it in our hearts that we wanted to try to go, since we were already in Arizona, to try to go over to California. I was raised in Arizona, so I knew that California was close. I knew that Disneyland was close. I wanted to try to take my kids there, but we didn't have the money. So we got to Cortez, we preached a revival, and somehow, just in talking, Pastor Bland found out that, that we wanted to go to Disneyland. So he, he got up on a Sunday and took up an offering for us, and then I, I, I believe, if I remember right, he, was, he, he decided later, after the service or something, he said, I, I feel led to take up another offering, they want to go to Disneyland. And he took up an offering to give us our gas, to pay for our hotel, and to pay for all the tickets for my family to go to Disneyland. 
How many know that's a tremendous investment? Amen? And I'll, I'll never forget that. My kids will never forget it. And it, it was something powerful. So when you do something for somebody, don't, don't think that it's going void. It's, it means something. Amen? Let's try to do that for other people this morning. Well, as you get your hearts right and your hearts ready, get your notebooks out. Pastor's going to come and give us a good word. Let's welcome Pastor Jonathan Bland from Cortez, Colorado. Let him know we love him this morning and appreciate him being here today. Well, hallelujah. It's good to be here today. I feel like I'm turning into a Texan. Amen. How y'all doing? Amen. It was fun driving. I like, uh, I like small town America. And uh, as we're driving through all these little towns showing up, like towns like Quana, Childress, all these places, I've heard about them. Actually, I have people in my church from them now. I know where they're at. Amen. So it's a blessing to be here today. We appreciate Pastor Blake and Carla. you got great pastors. And uh, they're not only godly people, they're fun people. I mean, it's good to be with fun people. Just hang out and, uh, and have a good time and see what God's doing. So it's good to be here today. Appreciate everybody and all that God's doing. Amen. I want to share a word today that God put on my heart. And, uh, you know, when we come to church, a lot of times we're looking for that word that just encourages. And I've learned that God encourages in different ways. Sometimes he encourages us by fixing something in us. You know, how many ever had a car or something that was just broken and it was irritating you? And then finally you get that thing fixed. And it's nice to get in the car and not have to worry about it's fixed. I tell you what, when God fixes things in us, it's an encouragement. When God fixes things in our marriage, it's an encouragement. Amen? When that wife finally behaves and starts submitting, it's just... Amen. When that husband stops being a blockhead and tracking across the floor, isn't it a blessing? Amen. But God's going to fix some things and help us with some things, I believe, today. I saw this. It says, the other day, I was hanging with a friend. And this friend calls herself a Christian, but she doesn't always act like it. Some days... She's on fire for the Lord, and some days she struggles and seems to, and her struggle seems to get the best of her. So as her eyes met, I really wanted to say something about it to her. But then I decided to just let the Lord speak to her heart. Knowing nothing that I could ever say, possibly say would have the impact that the Lord making himself real in her heart would make. So I prayed with her, and finally after some time, I winked and walked away from the mirror. Now you know, we're that person that God wants to work with. And I'll tell you what, I'm going to preach what God's put on my heart, but I pray the Holy Ghost help you with that. I've heard lots of messages over the years, but I want God to move in our hearts today. I want you, when you leave this place, that He has moved. Let's pray. Father, we ask you for your presence today. Holy Spirit, Right now, I, I fully turn this service over to you. I loose the dominion of Jesus Christ upon this place right now. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I want to talk to you about compromise today. And uh, the devil's wily. He uses the same things over and over again. 
How many of you have ever fallen for something and then fallen for it again later on? And you go, man, I can't believe I was so stupid. Maybe somebody played a joke on you. Ever somebody played a joke on you? And, and then later on they do the same thing and you fall for it all over again. You know, the devil's been playing the same tricks on people for a long time. And the same things that you'll see, in the, never look in the Bible and think, oh, those stupid Israelites. Because how many know we is those stupid Israelites many times? The very things that, that and, and so as we look to the uh, Word of God today, we're going to see some, some compromises that the devil used starting in Genesis and Exodus. And we can be aware, we can realize, you know what? God help us, we're not going for those compromises. You know, uh, compromise many times is presented as a positive thing. But, uh, you know, well, you got to come. And, and I know that in marriage there's, there's some compromises that need to happen. But can I tell you, many times a compromise is a mistake. I'm, I'm, you know what? I like politicians that don't compromise. They ask you, you know, uh, sometimes, you know, we've got a, a firebrand from our state. Her last name, is, her name is Lauren Bobert, and uh, she's kind of a wild girl. She said, wears her guns. She ran a restaurant, wore her guns while she was running a restaurant. And uh, so uh, they, the news station called me, and they asked me, you know, well, what do you think about her? And do you think that she had to work across the aisle? I said, no. I want somebody that's going to work for what's most right. Not just compromise. Not just try to get along with everybody. You know what? That's a problem. And I'm not saying that we can't uh, work with people, but I'm telling you some things ought not to be compromised. And God's looking for people that will say, you know what? We're not going to compromise anymore. And so... Uh, uh, you know, I, I came across, this is what compromise does. It says a New York family bought a ranch out west where they intended to raise cattle. And friends visited and asked if the ranch had a name. Well, said the would-be cattleman, I wanted to name it the Bar J. My wife favored Susie Q. One son liked the Flying W, and the other wanted the Lazy Y. So we're calling it the Bar J, Susie Q, Flying Y, Lazy, Flying W, Lazy Y. But where are the cattle, the friends ask. None survive the branding. I mean, that's what compromise will do. It might look good. It might sound good. But God calls us to take stands. And the devil will try to get you to compromise. You will not backslide. You will not turn away from God. You will not fail in one step it'll be some compromising steps. Give a little bit here, back off a little bit there, go a little bit sideways here, and guess what? One day you'll say, how did I get here? One little move at a time. That's like that song, Slow Fade, right? So the, the question is today, I don't want to fade. How about you? I don't want to grow cold. I believe you can get saved and get on fire for God, and you can live your life on fire for Jesus Christ. I don't believe you have to back up and go sideways. But in order for that not to happen, you have to see what the devil's trying to do. And you say, you know what? You, you, you tried this with Pharaoh and, you, and, and Moses, and it didn't work, and it's not going to work with me. So I'm going to give you four things today that the, that the Pharaoh uh, offered when the children of Israel were called out of Egypt into the promised land, the devil realized, you know what, I'm losing them. But so he, instead of just saying, uh, you know what, it's not, uh, just coming against them directly, he offered some options. 
And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you those four options that the, that the devil offered through Pharaoh to Moses, and uh, Moses didn't buy any of them, and neither should we. So here's the first thing. It says in Exodus chapter 8, verse 25, it says, Then Pharaoh called, uh, called for Moses and Aaron, and he said, Go sacrifice or, uh, to your God. The NIV says, uh, Here in the land. Uh, and in verse 26 says, And then Moses said, It is not right to do so, for we, uh, for we would be sacrificing the abomination of the Egyptians to the Lord our God. If we sacrifice the abomination of the Egyptians before their eyes, uh, then will they not stone us? Uh, we will go, there, go three days' journey into the wilderness and sacrifice to the Lord our God as he will command us. So here's the first compromise. The devil says, well, you can go, you can worship God, but you got to stay in Egypt and do it. And he says to, to us, he says, you know, you can, you can be a Christian, but you don't, have, you don't really have to be so different than the world. There's a whole segment of Christianity today, and they want to make the church exactly like the world. The church should be very different than the world. We should do different things with our times. We should talk different. We should have different marriages. We should raise our kids different. We are a different people. But the devil wants to keep us in Egypt. Many people just is like, you know, basically they just want to add a little Jesus to their life but stay in Egypt. Doesn't work that way. I'm telling you, if the devil keeps you in Egypt and there is no definitive stand, you will eventually be serving the gods of Egypt once again. It's just a matter of time. So he, here's, he, here's the offer. You can, you can, he, the Pharaoh tells him, he says, uh, 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 you know, serve your God, but here in the land. I'm telling you today, God calls us as the church to get out of Egypt. He puts a distinction on us. You know, there were two things the Lord told them. He said, number one, uh, Israel, get the blood over the door of your house. He said, there's a distinction. How do we, 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 we need to be covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. We need the protection. We need to get behind the blood. I don't have the protection, but when I get behind the blood, I'm going to be okay. Amen? And the second thing he said, get out of Egypt. The book of Exodus means Exodus, right? The book of Exodus is about making an exit. Christians, people that get saved and they don't make an exit are in trouble. And the devil will, will get us. I, I, I've, I've seen teenagers, you know, they, they don't really want to be one of those fanatical people. So they, they just kind of stay in the world. I'm telling you, it's a matter of time before the world will own you once again. Get out, get away, be separate, exit the world, exit the thoughts of the world, exit the ideas of the world, exit the uncleanness of the world, and be a new people. How many know God calls his people to be separate? Exit the pleasure and the pastimes of the world. See, if you're going to make it long term, and if you're going to have joy, how many, I got saved because I want to be happy, I want to be joyful. How, and the Bible says in Psalms chapter 137, verse 4, how shall we sing the Lord's song in a foreign land? How many Christians, haven't? there's an oppression on their life because they haven't really exited. So they're trying to sing God's song in a foreign land. 
doesn't work. Romans or 2 Corinthians 6, 17 says, Therefore, come out. Everybody say, come out. It doesn't say, fit in, work it out. It says, come out, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean, and I will receive you. So there's the message. Pharaoh says, you know what, you can stay. You can get along with everybody. Nobody needs to know that you're a Christian. Nobody needs to see you as this weird fanatic or anything like that. Just go along. Stay in Egypt. But it's a trap. It's a trap. And you know what, there'll be no joy in your life as a Christian. There's no definition in your stand, and there'll be no joy in your life. You know what, I, I believe that as they left Egypt, something broke loose in the camp. Something broke loose, and the kids were happy, and the mamas were happy, and the dads were happy. They were leaving the old world behind. They were going on a camping trip like never before. They left Egypt. They left the gods and the ideas and the thoughts. And you know what? When you leave, people that are always looking back and talking about the good times of the past bother me. I'll tell you why. Because they're like Lot's wife. Amen? Was it really so good? Was barfing in the toilet really so good? Was getting diseases really so good? Was fighting with your wife and never having any money because you blew it all last night someplace you shouldn't have? Was it really so good? You know what? We, when we come out of Egypt, we need to come out shouting. We need to come out rejoicing. We need to not be like Lot's wife who looked back. You know, it's, it's a shame to the name of Christ when Christians are looking back and talking about the old times. There were no good old times. Amen? Lot's wife, you know, she's looking back. She left her house there, and, and, and the Lord said, well, fine. You want it? Have it. Boom. She turned into a pillar of salt. So we need to come out of Egypt. No apologies. No apologies. You know, I, I've watched and people that take stands, when they get saved, they make it. And they say, you know what, I'm done. You know, Brianne is here today, and uh, uh, she, uh, her parents, we've, we've known their family for the last 100 years, amen? And uh, so Dan and Nita were, I mean, we grew Grew up in the Lord together. How I many of us a blessing to grow up in the Lord together with, with her parents? And, and uh, when Brianna got saved, uh, she had, uh, hadn't been serving the Lord. In fact, her, her parents had fallen away for a period of years, and they came back to the Lord, and, and Brianna got saved, and uh, she went to church camp uh, at Colorado Springs. And then uh, God stirred her, and on the way back, uh, if I remember the story right, she made some phone calls to different friends, and she told them, I'm done. I'm not hanging anymore. I'm not, you know what? And today, she's married to a man that loves God. Her whole life changed. You know why? Because she came out. Amen? She made, you, you, you see her move down here to Texas, but there were some decisions made a long time ago. And she came out. And oh, she wasn't so popular. They weren't so happy. People accused, you know, I got saved. I hung with a bunch of religious people. And uh, they said, Joe, you're just trying to be holier than thou. No. You know what? I was tired of being a religious wannabe. Amen? I wanted to be somebody that stood up for God and lived for God and witnessed and, and, and uh, was clean and right. So that's the first compromise. The devil says, you know what? You can, you can serve your God, but just do it right here. But you'll never make it. 
Two weeks go by, years go by, you'll be right back in the world. It's a trap. Secondly, the second offer that uh, uh, old Pharaoh made to Moses was, is found in verse 28. And, it says, and Pharaoh said, I will let you go that you may sacrifice to the Lord your God in the wilderness. Now, here's the compromise. Only, only you shall not go very far away. Okay, here's the second compromise. You can serve God, but you don't have to be crazy about it. You can, you, can, you can serve God, but you don't need to go that far. You don't need to be one of those people. You know what? Serve God. Go, up, go to church on Sunday mornings, but do not be one of those people that goes three nights of revival. Do not be one of those people, God forbid, that, that gives all your money away to that church. I mean, no, he owns the money anyhow. But you know, God doesn't ask for all your money. He asks for the tithes, and as he would deal in our hearts, the offerings, right? But there's this, don't, don't go, can I tell you, we will never win the world when we are measuring everything that we give to God. We were not called, I mean, no, Jesus went all the way from the cross to the resurrection, See, a lot of people, uh, you know, Moses says, we're going to go three days. One, one man said, that's the dis- distance from the cross to the resurrection. It's all the way. I am glad Jesus went all the way. <clears throat> he went all the way. And so the Pharaoh says, you know, don't go too far. How many Christians live their lives in a safe zone? Not too far. We just like, you know, a, a, a little nice Christianity. But I'm telling you, the gospel has touched our lives today because people went all the way for God. They laid down their lives. You know, when my mom and dad, got, my dad got saved, there was no salvation in his family. He got saved. He met my mom in Bible school, actually in Waxahachie, Texas. And uh, God began to, to move in their lives, and, and he called them into the ministry. And so they, they packed up. My sisters were little. My mom was carrying me. And they went all the way for God. They moved to Africa. They preached the gospel. And down through, down through history, great revivals. We like great revivals, but great revivals come when people go all the way. When they, they don't just get a little, they're going to go all the way. They're going to give God everything. You know, the Welsh revival shook the world. It changed that nation, but they went all the way in the Welsh revival. Things were dealt with. I got a, uh, there were four points that Evans Roberts one of the preachers in the Welsh Revival, he said, now this is the plan I have taken under the guidance of the Holy Spirit. There are four things that you need to do to be right. Number one, if there is some sin or sins in the past not confessed, we cannot have the Spirit. That's a novel message in some churches today. Because they, they preach, oh, it's just all for, you know, it's just, it doesn't really matter. No, we need to renounce and confess and he says, he says, therefore, we must search and ask the Spirit to search us. If there is something doubtful in our life, it has to be removed. That is something of which we are, un- that is something of which we are unsure as to being wrong or right. It must go. Okay, that was number one. Number two. Uh, no, that was number two. Number three is total surrender to the Spirit. We must do and say all that he asks us. Number four, public confession of Christ. See, great revivals happen when people go all the way. They leave Egypt and they're going to go all the way. 
They're going to, you say, well, what is all the way? I don't know. I don't know, but it will probably blow your mind. And I, you know what? I'm glad God doesn't tell me everything in a day because I might buck and snort and whine and cry. Amen? But he doesn't tell you. He said, we're going to go all the way. They didn't know that all the way, right outside, meant the Red Sea. And then from the Red Sea, it meant into the desert. But they, went, they had to make a decision. We're going to go, not just, not just a little ways, not just a, 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 a little bit, but we're going to go all the way. Christianity, true Christianity, is about going all the way. The reason we have the gospel today is because people went all the way. You know, I, uh, I love to read missionary stories. And uh, there was a, a couple that went into China prior to communism. And as a communist move into that place, they, they say, people say, well, you better get out of here. You better leave. And they said, no, God has called us to take the gospel to these Chinese people, and we're staying. It was a, their last name was Stams, S-T-A-M-S, young couple in their 20s, a man and his wife and a little baby that was just a few months old. And so as they were marching them, finally the communists moved in. They said, we're going to move you from this city to this city. They were marching them along the road, and, and uh, one of the soldiers came up and got belligerent with, with the man. And, and the next thing, he pulled out his gun. He shot the guy right between the eyes and killed him. Then he made his wife kneel down on her knees right there and shot her. And the little baby had to be picked up by somebody else and raised by somebody else. Are you thankful today that people went all the way so we could have the gospel? People took the gospel because they went all the way. Many times we pe- preach a cheap Christianity. Jesus went all the way. Aren't you glad he didn't, you know, he, we know it was tough because in Gethsemane, he said, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. But he didn't stop there. Nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. Jesus went all the way. And you say, well, that's great. I'm glad Jesus went all the way. Now the question is, will I go all the way? Will I go all the way for Jesus? When it's easy, when it's not so easy. Will I be the person that will, will go to church even when it's not easy to go to church? Will I be the person that will uh, uh, not just throw a, a few bucks, as the brother talked about, that not just throw your chump change, but a person that will sacrifice? You know, I've had God deal with me about money at times. Say, why don't you go all the way money-wise? Why don't you do something that hurts financially? Now, he'll never left be owing you. I'll just tell you what, he will bring it back in so many ways. Will you be one of those persons that will, will not just go to church, but will begin to witness and bring people to church? Will you be, see, devils say, oh, don't be one of those people that, that pokes at other people. I'm going to go all the way. The third thing that, that the Pharaoh suggested to Moses is found in verse 8, chapter 10, Exodus 10, verse 8. He says, go worship the Lord your God, he said. Uh, but just who will be going? So Pharaoh asked a question. Who's going to go with you, Moses? And Moses answered, we will go with our young and our old and with our sons and our daughters and with our flocks and our herds because we are to celebrate a festival to the Lord. So here's the third option. Well, you can go and you can get involved, but, you know, don't get your whole family immersed in this thing. Don't, uh, uh, you know, he offered, Pharaoh offered for them to go, but he says just the men go. Friend, let me tell you, you will never serve God like you're supposed to unless you get your family involved. 
You got to get your family involved. You got to get the the kids involved. You know, I I have I have uh, people sometimes that have started coming to our church. I didn't even know they had kids because I never saw the kids at church. I was kind of shocked later on to find out they had kids. But you know what? Moses knew something. If you don't get your kids involved, you're going to be in trouble. Husband, if you don't challenge your wife, you know all of us have a flesh, don't we? And he's, and you know, uh, the wife says, well, you know, I, I just think I'm going to rest today. You could rest on Saturday, amen? That's the actual day of rest. <laughs> you know what? Challenge each other. Get the whole family involved in the things of God. Get the kids involved. You know what? In our family, it's been a great joy to do it together. Our kids, you know what, I'll be honest with you, we, we didn't take a lot of big vacations because all of our vacations were conferences. But our kids loved it. They were involved. They planned. The girls are planning their, their clothes they're going to bring. And, and we get to conference, and they get to meet people. They get to get around those altars and, and come into church services and, and do an hour, even when they have a bad attitude. You know, I remember one day, Kyle was probably around, 12, 14, 15, I don't know, someplace in there. And, and uh, it was time to do an outreach on a Saturday. And he said, I don't want to go. He had a bad attitude. I said, tough, you're going anyhow, amen? And so uh, he came with me. We went, we knocked on doors. And I remember this one house. I can still see that little complex. And I knocked on that door. And the man opened it. And I, I said, did anybody ever talk to you about Jesus Christ? And he was so open. And the next thing I'm praying the sinner's prayer, and the man gave his heart to the Lord. And I'll never forget, we turned around, we walked away from that door. And Kyle looks at me, he says, it really does work. Now, if I hadn't brought him along, he'd never know that. He got to see God move. He got to see somebody translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light in a moment of time. But you got to get your kids involved. you got to, the whole family. You see, well, my husband's uh, a slug. Challenge him. Courage him. You know, Smith Wigglesworth, great man of God, full of the Holy Ghost. There came a, a time, you know, he and her name was Polly and Smith, and, and they were serving the Lord together. And then there was a great freeze in England. And, uh, and he was a plumber. So all these pipes broke. He's making money hand over fist, fixing all these broken pipes. So he starts working on Sundays. And uh, Polly would just argue with him. She would fight with him. And she would challenge him. And they got in a big fight one day, and, and he locked her out of the house and the front door. And she just ran around and snuck in the back and just laughed and laughed. But you know what? We talk about Smith Wigglesworth, but Smith Wigglesworth was a great man because he was married to a wife like Polly that challenged him. How many know as husbands and wives, we need to challenge each other? Whole families, you know, don't, don't go for this thing, well, she can do what she wants. No. Joshua said, it's for me and my house, we're serving God. And sometimes it might mean a fight. Husbands, wives, that's okay. There are some things worth fighting about. Amen. Not fighting about the toothpaste, that's stupid, amen? Not, not fighting about which way you put the toilet paper on the right, that's stupid too. But sometimes we've got to challenge. How many have ever been challenged by your spouse? I think God, my wife, has challenged me many times. She's challenged me. She's, she's a giver. Sometimes I've been stingy about things. 
And so we finally came to agreement. I said, okay, because usually I'm taking the offering, and my wife's writing the check. And uh, so I just told her, you know what? I, I've, she's, she's a very giving person. And uh, if I said, let's write it for 200, she said, let's write it for 400. I'm saying, what's wrong with you? If I said, let's write it for 500, she says, let's write it for 1,000. But you know what? I learned to give her liberty. And then after church, I say, how much did we spend at church service? That's okay. Amen? She's challenged me. She's a giver. She, she is, uh, uh, presses in, and I challenge her. There's times when, when uh, she's been going through different things. I said, no, no, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna buck up, baby. Let's go. Amen? The whole family needs to go. The whole family needs to be involved. Don't leave your kids in Egypt. Amen? See, you say, well, what if I turn my kids? What if I make them not want to? You know what? Kids will always rather play. There's nothing new about that. But you know what? What will, what will turn your kids off is when there's hypocrisy in the parents, not commitment. Commitment will make them proud of you. Commitment will one day, they will say, you know what? My dad went forward. My mom served God come hell or high water. That's what will impress them. But when they say, you know what? My dad, just whenever I didn't want to go to church, he just stayed home and watched the, the TV with me. That's not going to make them proud of anything. Amen? But you know what? Your, your parents' commitment. How can remember some, some good committed parents? I can. I'm thankful for them. See, we need, to, we need to make some consistent decisions for our whole families. Joshua said, as, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Model. Do it with them. Amen? Don't just tell them to read their Bibles. Show them how to read their Bibles. Somebody said just recently, maybe it was yesterday, maybe Pastor Blake said it. You know what? Uh, uh, and I, Boy, it rang true with me when, <coughs> when he said it. Buy your kids a good Bible. My parents helped me get a Bible. It was a nice leather-bound Bible. And I was so proud. I had my name printed on the front of it. Got me one of those cool covers. It has all the pockets and all the notes that I didn't take that, you know, anyhow. But how many know you can, you can get your kids excited about the things of God? Don't be inconsistent. Challenge them. If Satan can divide the family... See, see, Pharaoh knew if he could keep the wives and the kids there, the men would be back pronto. The men would be back. Take stands. You know what? C.M. Ward was a godly Pentecostal preacher, and he said this. He said, it is a terrible thing when Satan is permitted to use children as a decoy for their parents. Think of how many questionable things are admitted into Christian homes, not because the fathers and mothers want them, but because the children demand them. Let that one sink in. Amen? Take stands. Make the decisions for that home. Lead your family out of Egypt. The Bible says to train up a child in the way they should go. That word train literally means to narrow them. To narrow them in the way. So what does that mean? That means uh, when it comes time to do certain things and to make certain decisions, we've reduced the choices to just this one. We've narrowed that. We've actually created ruts 
It actually has the, the terminology in some uh, uh, books I've read as ruts. You create ruts for your kids, and it says in the end they won't depart from it. We always use ruts as in a negative connotation. Sometimes ruts will keep you from running off a cliff. Amen? And so you train that child. You, 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 you narrow them into the way. I never asked my kids, are we going to go to church? You know, people say, well, well what was first? The, the kingdom of God was first in our family. Still is. The Bible says seek first. You know, people ask me this kind of loaded question. Well, you know, is family first or, or, or is, is, is the kingdom, or the, you know, church and, and pastoring? I believe the Bible says seek first the kingdom of God. And your family will have to sacrifice at times. But I have learned that God loves my kids more than I do. You know what? Pastor Blake shared the story. They were putting God first. They were in Costa Rica. They didn't have all, all the American doodads and things. But you know what? God saw that his kids got to go to Disneyland. Because I've learned that God loves my kids more than me. And you know what? If I, if I sacrifice and they sacrifice with me, that's okay. Sacrifice never hurt a kid. Amen? It never hurt an adult either. And so we do that together. Spiritual training is important. Narrow them. Let me tell you something. Spiritual training is more important than academics. We didn't stay home to do uh, homework. We went to church. And we had, if we had to do homework, we did it at church, a little bit down the road from where our mom was sitting. He said, well, that sounds kind of harsh. No, it works. You know what? I'm serving God today. My kids are serving God. Say, well, did, you know, my, my son, uh, two of my kids, my son, has, he's a CPA as well as my assistant pastor. He went to college. But you know what? That never ran his life. Doesn't run his life today. That's okay. My daughter, one daughter's a nurse, but we kept first things first. Academics are secondary. Amen. I watch people that let academics. You know, we're so worried about our the, our kids' career. What about their spiritual life? What about what about the, the destiny that God has for them? You know what I want? I want my kids to have the destiny that God has, not just something that makes a lot of money and looks good on a wall. Amen. Okay, we'll move right on from that one. Amen. The last one that Pharaoh offers them, he says, you can, okay, you can take your families. See, a firm no goes a long way. No, Moses said, no, no, no. Now we're to the last one. It says, then the Pharaoh sit, called Moses and he said, go serve the Lord. Only let your flocks and your herds be kept back. Let your little ones also Go with you. So, so here's the last compromise. You can go, but you know, don't need to get involved in this thing so much financially. He, because how many know the flocks and the herds were their income? It was their livelihood. And many times we say, well, you know, I'm going to serve God, but i got to keep this nest egg. i got to keep this. i got to do that. Friend, let me tell you, God has to own all of you. He has to own the retirement, the 401K, I can't tell you, when I first got saved, you know, uh, uh, I, I remember one time we, uh, we had a pledge to send out a new church, and I believe in planting churches. I believe in raising, and we had a, a pledge, to, to, and we were, we were kind of strapped financially. And so uh, I, I was talking to Rob, and I said, how are we going to make a pledge for this new church? But I wanted to be involved. 
I wanted to give. So you know what I did? I went to work the next day. I canceled my health insurance and took the premiums that I was praying for my health insurance, and I gave it to send a new church out. I'm not telling you what to do, but God dealt with me. I've never regretted that decision. We had kids. God helped us. Uh, we didn't have insurance with most of them. But God helped us. And we weren't unwell for either. We, God helped us. So what I'm telling you today is that we can't leave our wealth in Egypt. Amen? See, how many have never really surrendered in the financial area? The rich young ruler came to Jesus, and he said, what do I need to do? I've done this and this. And Jesus saw that there was an unsurrendered area concerning money. You know, we can, we can have unsurrendered areas concerning money. God, you can have everything but this. You know what? I, I don't want to get that. You know, write a check for how much? You say, are you going to pull an offering? No. I'm not, I'm not pulling an offering. You can stop sweating right now. Amen. But I'm telling you that there will come a place where God says, do I own your money? Do I own your finances? Or are you going to leave those in Egypt? Because if you leave them in Egypt, the devil will get them. If you leave them in Egypt, you know what? I don't want to leave too much here. The Bible says don't store up treasure where moth. and You know what? I don't want the Antichrist spending my money. And I don't want my unsaved family spending my money either. I want to keep as much of it sent ahead, like the brother said the other night. I want, that was a good offering. I want to keep as much sent. He, he said, you know what? People say you can't take it with you, but you sure can. You just got to send it ahead. Amen? Not put it in the casket with you. And don't leave it for Pharaoh to spend. Get it involved in the kingdom of God. Does that mean we can't have a savings account? No, I'm not talking about that. But I'm talking about that God has ownership. You know how you know if God has ownership? When he convicts you about something, you're willing to do it. I've had God test me at times. Gone to a conference. Gone to a, an offering was taken for something, and God dealt with me. See, we, we preach sometimes, uh, you know, there's the tithe and the offering, and, and God will deal with us about both. And uh, C.M. Ward said, he said, money talks, let it speak for God. Neighbor, what's your money saying? Does it speak for the love of God or does it speak for selfishness? Something to think about. You say you're trying to make me feel bad only if you need to. Amen? Amen. Does God own your money? Does he have the right to, to deal with you in that area? You know, uh, I read a book called uh, Out of Islam. It's about a guy that got saved that was Islamic, and uh, one of the things that, that bothered him is he saw that in Islam, they're willing to put it all on the line. They're willing to give millions of dollars. They're willing to get blown up for a godless, heathen religion that'll send you straight to hell. But they're willing to get blown up. They put us to shame sometimes as Christians, I'm afraid. And so, you say, are you asking me to get blown up? No. I'm not being weird today. I'm just telling you that that sacrificial attitude is very important. Hey, let me read you something that he wrote. He said, I must emphasize that I believe strongly in financial prosperity as the Bible teaches it. However, talking about the biblical principles of material prosperity without putting emphasis on living lives of self-denial, sacrifice, and putting the cause of the gospel foremost in our lives amounts to nothing but spiritualized greed, selfishness, and the lust for material things. P. 
people should realize that God wants more than just their money. He wants their hearts. The Bible says where your treasure is, there's your heart also. Amen? So, how are we going to take your money out of Egypt with you? And the devil says, no, don't go that, don't get that involved. Don't get that invested. Don't, uh, uh, you know, I, I remember when I made the decision to pastor. And uh, I had a really good job with a gas company. And, and uh, I went and I told my two bosses. And uh, one of them had some sort of Christian background, kind of a Baptist background. And, and the other one was pretty much godless. And, and uh the, the only thing that he could think of, when I said, you know what, I'm leaving, I'm going from Cortez, the, the, the first church we pastored was in Phoenix, I said, I'm going to go, he says, well, where are you going to work? I said, I don't know, I'll figure out that when I get there, and, um, well, what are you going to do, you know, he says, you have a good job here, you have good insurance, you have this, you have that, and he was disdainful of me. Because he, 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 he looked at it like I just made this stupid financial decision. Got to tell you, you know what? They don't understand. I didn't understand. All I know is that when you put God first in your money, he, he multiplies the bread. He multiplies the bread. And you know what? Uh, we're so concerned about insurance. We're so concerned about 401Ks. I'm not against savings or any of those types of things. But don't put your hope and your trust in those things. You know, we came back to Cortez, and, and uh, uh, we went down to Arizona with, with nothing. Uh, I took my last, we got down there, we had one vehicle, and it was, the day we drove into town, it was like 115 degrees. It's in August. And uh, we're country bumpkins. I mean, that thing, we're the Beverly Hillbillies showed up. And uh, it's hot, and we have the only one. Robin's walking the kids to school. I took the last $2,500 I had. I bought a little uh, used-up uh, Toyota pickup. So we had two vehicles so she could uh, not melt to death when she's having to walk these kids several miles to school. And, and uh, so it went on, but, but we didn't have much of anything. And, I, you know, in my mind, I thought I'll never be able to own a home. I didn't have money. I, I didn't, couldn't get a loan. I barely could get food on the table for my family. I thought, I'll never be able to do that. Do you know that within, we, we pastored there almost seven years, and before we left, we had two houses. We had one house that we were living in that we built that was brand new, and the other one we rented out because the neighbors from hell moved in. We had to get out of that one, uh, and so God gave us another one. Now, you tell me. I remember being so amazed. We bought a house. We bought a house, a very nice house in Phoenix, and we paid $1,100 out of pocket and a payment that was way lower than any rent we could afford. God helped us do that. I wasn't so smart to figure all those things out. We got back to Cortez, and uh, we uh, got a place, and, and uh, Pastor Jones came and visited, and he says, you know what, Jonathan? He says, I think it'd be good. There's some things that had happened in that, at that property, and so my dad had died, and we had bought that, and it had done well, but uh, he says, I think you ought to get a different place. And so we made the decision. I, I prayed and said, Lord, help me here. I mean, oh, God can help you. He knows real estate better than any real estate agent. And so we put that house on the market. We put it, and this was, this was a number of this, like 13 years ago. We put that house at a very high price for $300,000, and somebody called me up, and within a, uh, two weeks, it was probably closed. They paid cash, and we walked away, blinking our eyeballs. And we bought another house. And then God made the value of that. Can, how many know God? He knows what he's doing. 
But I made a determination. A lot. I told Robin, I said, you know what? We're not here. I remember at one point we were, one day we were, uh, we, we, we'd, we'd gone from living out in, in the middle of no place Colorado to living right in the middle of Phoenix, Arizona. And, and uh, she's having a hard time and people ripped off our stuff. And, and I remember one day we're in the house and, and she uh, was upset. And we were trying to find a house that at least had a yard of its own instead of everything common. And, and so uh, she, she's uh, just like any mom, she's wanting to have a place that feels safe and good. And that place didn't. And so uh, uh, we kind of had a fight before I left. I was getting ready to go on outreach. And last thing I said to her, I said, we didn't come to Phoenix, Arizona to live in nice houses. We came to preach the gospel. I said, get your heart right. <laughs> I was real gentle and kind and sweet about it. And you know what? After I left... She cried to God. She said, Lord, help me. She said, I want to have a right heart. And so she got down. She told me, she said, I got down on my knees and I cried and I repented. And she said, then the telephone rang. And this house that we had looked at to rent, that they wanted too much money, we couldn't afford it. And I had told the guy what I could afford, but it was, he didn't even consider it. He didn't beat blink an eye. She said, the guy's name was Mr. Rob. And he said, this is Mr. Rob. He said, I feel that God wants me to give you that house for whatever you can afford. And she, she, God helped us again and again. You know what? When you put God in charge of your money, he's going to make a way. The question is, will you trust God for his best or your best? I want his best. His best is bigger, better, wider, broader, and deeper. But you got to put him in charge. Amen? They came out of Egypt, and they brought their wealth with them. You know, even today, the Jewish people as a people are wealthy people. That all began right there. They took everything with them. They borrowed everything from the neighbor and took that with them too. That was payback for the last 400 years. Amen? God's a good God. But you got to make a determination. There'll be a challenge. There'll be a test in every place. There's been a test in our lives. So today, don't leave. Some of you, some of you, some of you got to make the decision, you know what, I'm, gonna, I'm getting out of Egypt. I'm done. Some of you need to make the decision, I'm going all the way with God. I'm going to get involved in ministry. I'm going to get involved in what God's doing. I'm going to be a fanatic. Not for the sake of being a fanatic, but I'm going to be a fanatic because Jesus was a fanatic. Amen? Jesus went all the way. Some of you today are going to make that decision. I'm getting my family out of Egypt. God's dealt with you this morning, and you realize, you know what? I'm getting my kids out of Egypt. I'm getting my wife and my husband out. And the last thing is some of you are making the decision. You know what? I'm getting my money involved in the kingdom of God. Let's bow our heads for a few moments this morning. God is here in this place today. And he calls us out of Egypt because he has so much more that is better. He has a land, the Bible says it's the land of promise. It's the land that's flowing with milk and honey. It's a land where there's healing. It's a land where there's hope. It's a life not of addictions and problems and fighting and strife and bitterness and, and uh, uh, shame and sorrow. That's not the life God calls you to live or me to live. He calls us out of that. That's the broken life. The Bible says that in Egypt they serve with rigor or with hardness. God calls us out and away from that. 
But the choice is ours. The choice is yours. The choice is mine. So the question today, wouldn't you like to come out of Egypt? Wouldn't you like to be done with a life of brokenness and sin? A life of selfishness and rebellious? And the Bible says He will make you all over again. He will, he will make you literally into a new person. He will start on the inside and He will change what no program can change. He will do what no person can do because He is a supernatural God and it is a supernatural work paid for by the blood of Jesus Christ on Calvary's cross. Doesn't it sound like a wonderful thing? How many in this place, how many would slip your hands up right now? And by raising your hands, you're saying, that's what I want. I want that new life in Jesus Christ. God's talking to me right now. You just be bold to take it right away from the devil. Say, I want to give my life to Jesus Christ. Slip your hands up right now. God's talking to you. He's dealing with you. Those that are listening online, God's speaking to you. You might be sitting in your car. You might be sitting in your living room. I see hands going up today. And you say, you know what? I want to give my life to Jesus Christ. I want to surrender. I'm sick of it. I'm sick of the lies. I'm sick of feeling like a dog inside all the time. I'm sick of brokenness and the thieving of the devil. Other hands, God's touching. He's speaking to you. Let's stand in this place today. <coughs> I want to pray today. If you raised your hand, or if you're in your, at your house, wherever you're at, we're going to have a time here at the altar in just a moment. If you raise your hand in this place, I want you to come. I want you to seek God at this altar. I want you to pray and do business with God. But I want to pray a prayer for the sake of everybody here today. And I want to, you know, we make getting saved so hard, it's not hard. You believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth. How many are willing to do that today? Let's do it together. I'm going to pray a prayer. And if you'll pray this prayer and you'll mean it, from your heart, your life will be forever changed. It will be a 180. It'll be uh, like black and white. You'll see a, a change in your life. Let's repeat this after me today. Everybody here, let's do this. Dear Jesus, I need you. And I realize that I'm a sinner. Please forgive me. I believe you died for me. And right now, I receive what you did on the cross for my life personally. Come into my heart. Forgive me of my sin. And give me that new life that your word promises. I make a decision today to come out of Egypt. I'm turning away from the old life, from the brokenness, and from the sin. And I give you my life from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen. Give the Lord a hand today. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Now, I believe that the altar is a wonderful place where we do business with God.